Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Sean Carey Tattoo. We're going to be talking the Ultimate Fighter 24 finale, Demetrius Johnson versus Tim Elliott, Henry Cejudo versus Joseph Benavidez. Sean Carey Tattoo, what's going on, dude? Hey, how you doing? Sorry I missed last week. It's uh, due to Turkey Day, of course. Uh, the same thing will probably happen to me at Christmas as well. Uh, it's cool. But I'm here now, fans. I'm going to pull out on Hanukkah, so it's all good. But, you know, Robert Whitaker, uh, he came through for both of us. And, you know, it's not even about bragging. It's about how damn good is this kid Whitaker, dude? Well, I don't, you know what? I would, I've always thought he was good. I've always thought he was a dark horse. You've thought the same. The issue is, after that performance, I can't really take a lot. for Like, the outstanding, overarching thing about that fight is it, it wasn't really Whitaker. It was that Brunson was such a douche during that fight. Like, you, can you can you do anything worse than what he did? Like, that was awful. You know what I'm saying? So, so the thing was, Whitaker didn't get caught hard and basically kept his cool, although he was on a back foot for majority. But when it was time to stop and fire, he stopped and fired. And following with the head kick was fucking excellent. But... I mean, fuck, Brunson, I'll tell you what, Brunson is going to be so goddamn confused in his next fight, I would fade him almost regardless of who he's fighting. If he's got a, a live body in his next fight, he's going to have to not do what he's done in the past four fights. He's going to have to do something different. Who knows what the fuck that is? I mean, I guess he could go way back and do what he did way back then, but... He's going to be awfully confused. I think that was a horrible loss for him. Like, man, he really read into the hype, huh? He's a knockout guy, right? He's a fucking great striker, right? Whoa. Yeah, and I mean. Bad idea. Do people say, you know, what the hell was he doing? But the reality is that's exactly how he won his last couple fights, you know, against Sam Alvey, against Uriah Hall. I mean, he tried to turn up like that in all those fights, and he just ran into the wrong fucking dude. You don't, you don't run in with your hands down and your chin up against Robert Whitaker. That, that's the bottom line. He planned, yeah, he planned himself to death. Like, why not just after a little bit was like, oh wait, this isn't gonna win for me because I'm gonna run out of gas. I really haven't put the pre the, the 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 like the power on him that I that I wanted to. Let me fucking let me slow down, think, and fight for a second. No, fucking nope. Face first, let's go. Like the whole fucking time, you know what I'm saying? Four minutes long of, of let just just hit me or I hit you. I okay. You can throw all skill out the window and just go to have a tough man contest if you want. But you're sure as shit not beating an elite fighter that way. You know what I'm saying? Elite fighters basically gonna do what what uh, you know lots of people would do, but what Whitaker did that night, which was keep his cool, avoid shit, wait for that moment and hit you. It was really just a dumb thing, and I, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. Jesus. Anyway, we win, so that works. <laughs> I mean, we thought Whitaker was the dark horse for a while, but now he's a top five guy, so we need a new dark horse. And that for me is Kristoff Jocko all day. You know, people are laughing at me for you know talking about how damn good this kid is, even though he's 19 and one and is about to head into the top five pretty damn soon. But Sean, if Whitaker and Jocko were scheduled to fight, who would you pick? Uh, I'd have to take Whitaker. I'd have to take Whitaker at this point. Um, and that's a, I mean, that's a tough fight, and I don't even know if I could bet it. But I would take Whitaker um, because I've seen 
I've seen there's there's questions about Jocko that I have not seen answered. I feel like those same questions have been answered about Whitaker, and that's and then you know there's still questions about both, regardless. But I think that's kind of the thing. I think I've seen a little bit more out of Whitaker and I've seen him react in shitty situations and seen him take shots, seen him recover, you know, seen him get knocked out, but yeah, Whitaker. And one thing real quick, kind of unrelated, don't, it, the, the Musasi Whitaker talk needs to fucking go away. Don't, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like that. Do Give you like up both that? title shots. Yeah. Right. That would be nice, but I don't, oh, don't do that. Like, they're both they're both the guys with the momentum right now, you know what I'm saying? Like I'd rather see them get one of the the other guys like Here's what I'm thinking, Sean. I'm thinking that Oh, uh, don't do that. Though. I'm thinking Musasi fights the winner of Yoel Romero versus Michael Bisbing and Whitaker gets someone like Luke Rockhold. Yeah, it's got to be Rockhold like the the fight should have been Rockhold and Whitaker in Australia. That's what I wanted. Do you know what I mean? But don't do Musasi Whitaker, and you know what the weird thing about Musasi is? I'm not saying this would happen, but Musasi could lose to someone like Whitaker, and believe it or not, with 50 fights, regardless, this fucker's young enough to come back and contend again. You know what I mean? Like, seems like he's 50, but he's not. He's pretty young, so that's a weird thing. So, regardless of you, you wouldn't derail. Musasi that hard or derail Whitaker that hard when with one of those two guys lost the fight, just don't make that matchup. You know what I'm saying? Like Musashi should get a cupcake to wait for his title shot and look awesome again. And Whitaker should get a Weidman coming off a loss, Rockhold, some somebody like that. Well, but, Sh- you know, Sean, I, I, I could sit here and talk about uh you know, the state of affairs in the UFC middleweight division all day, but, you know, you got a family to feed. I got to interview this guy, Alexander Volkanovsky. So let's yeah. get right down to business, man, because Rob Fon... Yeah, we've got a super great card to break down. <laughs> I mean, it's super bad. Yeah, go for it. I mean, there's some select fights, but, uh, geez, on some of the other ones. Well, we'll get to the good ones first, as we always do on Half the Battle. And Rob Font's minus 270. The comeback on Matt Schnell is plus 230. And Matt's uh, filling out on short notice for Alejandro Perez. And man, Rob Font, you know, I really like this guy. I mean, he can knock people out, obviously, but he can also point fight to a three-round decision. And I thought in his last fight, he doesn't get the respect he deserves, you know? Oh, he didn't go toe-to-toe with uh, with John Lineker? Well, you go toe-to-toe with John Lineker and you get knocked out. And I mean, this guy's plan was to go in there and point fight him, which I think is the smart thing to do. And he just was, he was, right. un- he was unsuccessful. That's the bottom line. That's right. I mean, Matt Schnell would have got right. knocked out in that spot. And look, I got a lot of respect for Schnell. Big flyweight, long for the weight class for flyweight. Okay, this fight's at bantamweight. For flyweight, very long. You know, he's good at snatching up the submissions, not half bad on the feet, very gritty guy. But uh, now he's stepping up. He's moving up a weight class on short notice against a very experienced guy, and he's making his UFC debut. And uh, the other night on UFC Tonight, I hear this interview with with, uh, DJ. Actually, he was on this show, Tough Talk. Demetrius Johnson, you know, he was talking about how, you know, Tim Elliott's not going to have those UFC jitters because he's already fought in the UFC before, whereas Matt Schnell is hitting up DJ, and he's like, dude, I'm fucking shitting my pants. Like, what do I do? You know what I mean? He's freaking out. And DJ aired that on Tough Talk. 
Okay. Well, yeah. now Whoops. now I'm even more confident in Rob Fawn. And look, Matt Schnell, he's going to have a bright future at flyweight. But this is a you know the wrong place, wrong time, in my opinion. I think Rob Fawn's going to pick him apart and possibly stop him late, but most likely a unanimous decision, Sean. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. You stole all my points. I think that Font, while not you know a spectacular guy, I think he's got enough talent to stay around the top ten for quite a while until he takes a bad loss. Um, at the time he fought Lineker, I was not super convinced about Lineker. We're all convinced that he's a guy with an amazing chin who hits hard, who tries to kill you the whole time. We know that, but I'm th- looking at him thinking. Uh, somebody real slick will outpoint him. And we took that, well, I took that shot on Font, and Font could not do it. The problem is, or the the good thing about that is, is that Font didn't fold. Font didn't get scared. He didn't shit his pants. He kept trying his game and, and got hit and, and got outgunned, basically. So, uh, you know, not a terrible loss to a guy who who's knocking most motherfuckers right out. You know what I mean? So that's pretty good. Um, you know, there's something there with Font. Schnell, on the other hand, I don't see anything particularly special about him. Honestly, I'm not. When I watched his fight, the research is bad. I I don't quite understand what he does. Good. Um, I think on his best day and on Font's best day, Font beats him. You throw into the mix debut, short notice, and and moving up in weight. No, he can't overcome those three things. He he can't overcome none of those things. But now he's got three of them to overcome. I, I don't think so. I, I feel like Font is is pretty safe here, and I've got him in a parlay with somebody else later. I actually got him in a parlay too, and you guys know I rarely do parlays, but when I do, it's situations like this. And next up, we got Brandon Moreno. He's minus one thirty-five. The comeback on Ryan Benoit is plus one fifteen. Man, Brandon Moreno made a splash in his UFC debut. I mean, goes in there against Lewis Smolka, taps him out in the first round. And, you know, I went back and watched the fight, and it wasn't just the submission that looked good. I mean, he, he was doing great up until then. He was outstriking him. He took him down. And when Lewis got back up and shot for his own takedown, that's when Brandon secured a very nice, I believe it was a high elbow guillotine, but I've never seen it like that with both of the elbows kind of inward. I mean, when I see high elbows, you know, you think of John Jones, you even think about my boy James Vick, maybe even uh, Dan Hooker. Brandon Moreno put it on Lewis Smolka. So now he's got to come back in here and look good for a second time in a row. He's got a vet in front of him in Ryan Benoit. And Benoit's no slouch. I mean, on his best day, this guy knocks out Sergio Pettis, who's one of the best strikers in the division. And also, in his last fight, he went in there against the Olympic wrestler. And, uh, man, it was a close fight, but he handled himself pretty yeah. well. He was composed. And, uh, you know, he got back up. To he was tired. He, out, he outstruck <laughs> Real him. tired. I mean, he took it on eight days short notice. But, uh, you know, it, it, yeah. it was a good back and forth scrap. Now, in this spot, it's about is Brandon Moreno really as legit as he looked in his UFC debut? I don't have any reason to believe that he's not. But at the same time, don't forget that only three fights ago, he's the guy that struggled with the one-legged man, Sean. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I have a bet on this fight. I, I think Moreno knocks him out, but uh, I have a bet on this fight it's, it's that it doesn't go the distance, so I'll just break that down instead. Um, you know, Moreno is definitely comes out nuts to bust right off the beginning, very fiery, uh, attacks w- with everything. He's, he's okay with subbing you. He's okay with hitting you hard, but he's trying to finish you right from the opening bell. We like that. Um, Benoit, on the other hand, tough fucking guy, gritty dude, 
hard puncher and a, a decently accurate puncher too when he's not fucking exhausted. So I think he'll look a little bit better than he did on that short notice. The issue is that there's plenty of times where I wasn't sure who the more tired guy was in Benoit's last fight. Uh, but Benoit was completely happy with not being like, Ooh, you're tired too. Well, let me go ahead and take over. It wasn't like that. It was like, Ooh, you're tired too. Cool. I'm going to take this break then. Um, if he's taking breaks Saturday night, he's getting finished. If he wants to fight back, he's probably going to get caught, uh, stand up. If, if he wants to fight back and there's some scrambles, I think the Marino could probably catch him there. I think if none of those things happen, I, I think that Moreno could burn himself out going after Benoit. Benoit's too tough to get taken out, and then Benoit has the upper hand, and he can land one of those bombs. Pretty hard puncher. Um, also, in any exchange, either one of these guys could go. So it, that's a lot of factors that add up to this not going three rounds, even though they're little guys. I think uh, Moreno riding high, lots of momentum, uh, wants another finish, felt what that feels like, wants it, wants it again. He's got a finishable guy, so let's go that way. It doesn't go to the distance. That's in a parlay with something else later. Light heavyweight division, we got Jan Kutaleba. He's minus 230. And Jared Cannonier, he's making his light heavyweight debut. He's plus 190. And, you know, Sean, I actually like Jared Cannonier at, at uh, heavyweight because, I mean, he's light on his feet. He's got some speed for the weight class. But now that he's dropping down, I don't think he's going to have that advantage anymore, especially going against a smaller guy in Kutaleba who, I mean, this dude throws heavy heat, man. I mean, you know, we talk about these guys that close their eyes and chuck bombs, but this guy's accurate with those bombs, Sean. And, I mean, he comes to kill you. As long as he's got gas in the tank, he's going to try to take your head off. And I think that he uh, gives uh, Jared a warm welcome to the UFC light heavyweight division and knocks him out. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I think Kudaleva wins this uh, inside the distance as well. The other half of the Moreno doesn't go to the distance parlay is this fight doesn't go to the distance. 1.5 units plus 112. Um, here's the issue, though. Cannoneer doesn't look like he can take a punch. Looks like he's not, he's got those kind of problems. So, okay, well, you're not a heavyweight anymore. Does that mean these guys aren't going to hit you as hard? Eh, I don't know. Does that mean that you probably can't take a punch as well after this weight cut? Mm, probably. So I think the same kind of shots that Kudalab has been landing on people, it looks to me like a couple of those will get Cannoneer out of there. And even bigger than that is that Kudalab, I mean, what, you land about 50% of what you throw at him, right? About 50% of what you throw at this guy is just hitting him flush in the fucking face and he doesn't give a shit. I'm sure that Cannoneer still has that power, especially early. I think Cannoneer is a definite knockout threat, especially in the first, like, one and a half rounds. I, I looked at the under here, but uh, I went with it doesn't go the distance. I think that Kudaleva has some problems, gets hurt a couple times, but eventually walks Cannoneer into the fence and unloads like he did last time. But uh, I don't think that uh, Cannoneer can take what, uh, what that last fellow took. So I like Kudaleva inside the distance. But the bet is this fight doesn't go the distance. And, man, on this next fight, we got to take our fan cap off and we got to be ruthless because Gray Maynard's minus 115 and Ryan Hall's minus 105. And you know the deal, Sean. You always fade Gray Maynard no matter who he's fighting. You know, except for that Fernando Bruno fight because they literally were like, all right, Andre Pedaneris, who is your absolute worst guy? 
and uh, you know <laughs> gave, gave Gray Maynard a nice little win there. But now those days are long gone, Sean. And in Ryan Hall, you know, I, I heard what people said before I watched the tape. You know, people said. Uh, He's just a leg lock guy. People said he's just some random jujitsu guy. People said he can't strike. He's scared of getting hit. Okay, so I listen to all that. And then I watch him fight this guy, Saul Rogers. He gets dropped. Now, when people get dropped and they're scared of getting hit, they do two things. And I'm talking about, you know, assuming that they haven't been knocked out. When they get dropped and they're scared of getting hit, these are the two things they will do. They'll either cover up and let the ref stop the fight, or they'll get up and they'll, they'll start running away. Ryan Hall did neither of those two things. When he got dropped, he got back up and he kept fighting. He kept swinging. That's not the sign to me of someone that's scared of getting hit. So I don't know what the fuck people are talking about when they say that. Now, let's address the he doesn't have any striking myth. Well, listen, man. You know, you see, uh, you see those, uh, those hook kicks, those spinning back kicks, those heel kicks that he throws. I mean, he's been putting in work with Wonderboy. Not that he's the next Wonderboy or anything like that, but he's, he's aware on his feet. And if one of those kicks lands to the chin of Gray Maynard, good night, Irene. And also, the whole he's just a leg lock guy, well, against Artem, uh, didn't he have his back for half of that fight, Sean? Taking someone's back, yeah. I don't see what that has to do with leg locking. I mean, this guy is one of the best jiu-jitsu players in the world right now. And he's been able to transition that into MMA. And with Gray Maynard, you know, I understand the argument. Well, you know, Gray's the strong wrestler. He's the D1 All-American, this and that. He's going to, he's gonna, you know, he's going to be the stronger guy. He's going to be the bully. That's what Gray Maynard does. Those days are long gone. His last fight against Fernando Bruno, he almost gets knocked out in the first 30 seconds. Fernando Bruno, judo throws him. Fernando Bruno takes his back. You know what's going to happen if Ryan Hall takes Gray Maynard's back? He's going to choke mm -hmm. him out. So, obviously, I took the one-unit shot at plus 100. It's currently minus 105. Take the shot at that price, too, Sean. Yeah, we, we talked about this before it happened when we were talking about what we're going to bet on. I, I know that I was going to uh, bet on him, and we were talking about, oh, you know, 170-ish or something like that. I was okay with that. It came out lower, even better. Okay, I'll take that. And, you know, I thought I was smart last time because I bet on Gray Maynard versus Bruno. And as soon as that fight started, I was like, ooh, I fucked up. Like, this is not good. He's not going to win this fight. Luckily, he fucking pulled it out. Great. Good for me. But he looked fucking terrible. And they picked a guy who basically does nothing good. He does nothing <laughs> good. He doesn't knock anyone out. And it's like, a, here, you're welcome, Gray Maynard. Thanks for, thanks for those Frankie Edgar fights. Here you go, buddy. Let's, let's test you out at 45 versus a non-threat, Okay. No, that guy was definitely a threat. Hits him and hurts him, has him in leg locks situations, uh, takes his back, like you said, through him, like does a whole bunch of things that that don't happen to Gray Maynard. Do you know what I mean? Like he looked fucking terrible. He looked totally gassed. He looked gun shy. He looked so stiff and so slow. Uh, yuck. Like bad bet, even though it won, bad bet. Um at this point, I would take basically anybody against against Gray Maynard. Uh, I think that he's done after this fight. I think this will be his retirement fight. But 
I would definitely take somebody, you know, if you had a, if you specialized in something and you were, you were good at, you know, you were a good kicker, you were a good puncher. Like this is, that's a huge gap for me right now. Like a, a guy who can get to gray Maynard and, and is young and wants to fight that kind of situation against the old gray Maynard doesn't look like he wants to be there. I'll take that guy. It doesn't even matter what that guy is. In this case, we got a guy who's a specialist, it's not just leg locks, it's jujitsu in general. But the thing is that 50, 50 position, like he's other fighters sweat him about that. You know what I'm saying? Like other fighters are like, Ooh, that guy's fucking tricky. Like good fighters, like that skill that he has is serious. It's not a joke and it could get anyone, you know what I'm saying? Like he puts you in that situation, knowing how you're going to try to escape. And he's waiting for you to escape that way. So he can get you, you know what I'm saying? And it's, and it's not just that he can not just leg lock you out of that, but he can grab that 50, 50 position and in the scramble, pull himself on top of you and take your back. He can backpack you for the whole time. It's like, he he has enough skill on the ground to be miles ahead of Gray Maynard at this point in in my mind. Even if he's on his back, his triangle is pretty good too. It's this fight's going to be on the ground. I feel like, and I feel like we're betting on the guy with the huge advantage. I don't I don't really see any any side for Gray Maynard here. I don't really understand. I understand that he could get on top and muscle him around, sure, but. I mean, he didn't just do that just now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Ryan Hall doesn't look like a fighter to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're shitting on Ryan Hall. Like, Daniel, he doesn't look like a fighter to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, he looks like he wants to fight. He looks smart. He's scrappy. He's very into it. Yeah, exactly. Like, if he's that good at this thing, he's going to apply that to another thing and get good at that, too. And he's young and he's up and coming. He's, I guarantee he's improved since his last fight. Like this is, I don't know. This feels like a no brainer. There's no locks, but I'm like, yeah, of course, Sean, of course that's the guy. Remember when, yes, when wonder boy fought Rory McDonald and remember how Rory McDonald kept rolling for those, uh, those leg locks and wonder boy yeah. had zero problems in them. Yeah. That's because he's been training with a guy like Ryan Hall, and conversely, Ryan Hall's been working his stand-up with Wonder Boy. So, I mean, I don't see Gray Maynard landing that big bomb in the first minute because, you know, Gray Maynard only has about a three-minute gas tank nowadays. And also, if you yeah. if you recall Gray Maynard's fight at UFC 125 against Frankie Edgar, the one that went to a draw. So, you watch the pre-fight talk, which I love to do, and Gray Maynard's like, I'm going to take the title, and then I'm going to ride off into the sunset. Okay, so that was like back in 2010, 2011, and he was already talking about, you know, I just want to win the title and then retire. He had retirement on his mind back then. Since that point, yeah. I mean, he's like, what, one in seven? You know you know what I'm saying, Sean? And I have it, no idea why he's fighting. It's, yeah, it's just, it's sad, man. I have no you know, idea as, why he's as fighting. A fan, as a fan, you want him to hang it up, but as a betting man, you take advantage of situations like this, and yeah. that's exactly it, what we're it, doing. It's got to be massively discouraging to go down to 145 pounds and fight a nobody and, and, and squeak it and go life and death with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think this is a horrible fucking matchup for Gray Maynard. I think that Ryan Hall is going to crawl all over him. And when Gray Maynard gets tired, he's going to get subbed. That's how it looks. I think he gets backpacked and eventually choked. I think that 50, 50 position lands him on top, uh, Every time it happens, 
I, I don't know. I see, I see a guy on the way up versus a guy who's fucking obviously on the way down. And, it, and, and if you're out there listening and you like Gray Maynard in this fight and you're like, shut up, this is all bullshit. Okay. Well me and you, dude, we both know his chin is real bad. If it's not the worst in the UFC right now, it's almost the worst. And it is anybody worst. who, yeah, anybody who tries to hit that chin can hit it and knock him out. So don't look at Ryan Hall striking and go, eh, there's nothing there. Oh, there's enough there. There's <laughs> oh, enough yeah. there. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not going to be surprised That's if he gets knocked saying. out. Yeah. Don't, there's not much there. It's not great. If it's gotten better and he lands, he will get him the fuck out of there. Don't, don't fool yourself. I guess. Yeah, Ryan Hall, biggest player of the night. Him and one other guy later in the car. I guess we should go as far as saying that Ryan Hall is our best fight pick for uh, the tough finale. Sounds fair to me. Awesome. You know, it's funny because the last uh, two podcasts we did, we forgot to say what our best fight pick was, but we did have only one consensus for both of those, Jocko and Whitaker. So it's been working out, but now we're bringing back the term. So we're back on track, Sean. That's right. Hall is the one. Yes, sir. Now, next up, I'm really excited about this, Sean, because I have a feeling that someone's head is going to get popped back about 100 times. We got Jorge Masvidal. He's minus 260. The comeback on Yes, Jake Ellenberger is plus 220. And, uh, Sean, this one's going to be so much fun to watch. Don't you love a nice MMA clinic? I do. This is going to be one. Yes. It, it absolutely is, you know, and, we, you know, everyone's talking about how Jake Ellenberger looks better than ever because of his last fight, and it's like, Look, all you remember are the two knockdowns. What you don't remember is what happened in between the two knockdowns. And what happened in between the two knockdowns is that Jake Ellenberger was looking for the door. He was swinging big bombs with his eyes closed. He was praying that he could connect, and he did connect. That's what has to happen here for Jake Ellenberger to win this fight. He has to put away Jorge Masvidal early. If he does not get him out of there early, he's going to start getting his head popped back with the one-twos. He's going to eat body kicks. He might even get taken down. He might even get finished. And uh, you remember how Jake used to look like the juggernaut, like his nickname suggests? Man, so much shit has changed in the sport. It doesn't even look like the same guy anymore. You know what I'm saying, Sean? So this is a great opportunity. To parlay Jorge Masvidal, which I did with Rob Font, one unit, and uh, yeah, we're we're about to pick this dude apart. You know, I always talk about how we call uh, Jake Ellenberger Yes Jake, and you know, I tell the story every time. But for those who haven't heard the story, go back and watch the countdown of when uh, Jake fought Robbie Lawler. You know, he's training with Edmund, and uh, they're they're hitting the pads, and you know, he's he's doing it wrong, and Edmund's like, "Relax, Jake, you're thinking too much." And then he does it right, and, he, and Edmund's like, "Yes, Jake, yes, Jake," <laughs> and then he str- and then he quits in the fight. So yeah, we call him Yes, Jake, and uh, yeah, man, it's uh, he, he's he's going down in this one. I don't care if he trains at Kings MMA. We talk about this every episode of the show. There's guys that thrive in that environment, and there's the guys that are the punching bags in that environment. Jake Ellenberger doesn't seem to me like the guy that's going to thrive in that kind of environment, taking that kind of ass whooping every day. You got to be very mentally strong, and it, it's weird to say that about a Marine. And you know, Jake Ellenberger is a former Marine. You'd think you'd be very mentally strong, but uh, I've seen him quit more than once inside the octagon, Sean. Yeah, um, you know, and there was that juggernaut period for Jake Ellenberger, right? Does everybody remember the stand around and do nothing, Jake Ellenberger? Because there was quite a few of those too. Rory McDonald, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, Cubs, Safdine, right? You know, bad ones. Um, when I'm looking at this fight, as as soon as it got made, I'm like, uh, how does 
how does Jake beat Masvidal? Let's see. Okay, he fucking crushes him in the head with a huge overhand right early. I'm going to have to say, yes, okay, if he lands perfect, he can knock him out. But more than likely, if he does catch him nice with it, he probably knocks him down, and, and before you can blink, Masvidal's standing again because that's the way he does it. If he catches him almost kind of clean, Masvidal will do that thing where he kind of laughs at you because that's what Masvidal does. Um, the wrestling, if Jake had three rounds of, of hard wrestling in him, that could be an issue. If Jake was into wrestling at all anymore, that could be an issue. Neither of those things are true. He doesn't do those things. The biggest problem, though, is the activity, right? Then going down the stretch, are you going to outwork Masvidal because he's happy with what he's doing to you and he feels like he's winning and the judges are going, hey, dude, you're not winning, but he's not in touch with that and he loses, right? Jake is not the guy who's going to out-volume Masvidal <laughs> down the stretch. Sean, it's not going to happen. It's so funny because I hear people breaking down this fight talking about how, well, Masvidal loses these close decisions because he coasts. It's like, you know who's more inactive than Masvidal? Jake yeah. Ellenberger. He literally won't do yeah. anything. Yeah. And, dude, he wasn't doing anything when he had a gas tank. Now he doesn't. He did dispose of Matt Brown. But dude almost died in the process. You know, I mean, we're watching this going, oh, he's falling apart. Would it, oh, this would have been so cool. And then he catches him with the body kick. But right before the body kick we're watching was like, oh, that was it, Jake? You know what I'm saying? Well, that was a good punch. You almost had him. Good job. But, yeah, time to fall apart now. And then he catches him <laughs> with body kick. Okay, great. Good for you. But you're going to fall apart in this one, too. Or you're going to do nothing. Your punches aren't going to land the wrestling is not going to be enough to win you the fight. So what you have to do is get jabbed and, and leg kicked and, and block head kicks over and over again and then catch a one-two. And then then Masvidal starts to feel confident. Then Masvidal is like, there was moments in that Ross Pearson fight where you could see him get in the groove and go, ooh, I can do just about anything I want to you. This is cool, you know what I'm saying? And then he'll start pulling out tricky st- stuff He'll start pointing at you and laughing at you and smiling to himself and feeling real comfortable. I don't see Jake, especially at the tail end of his career, the last X amount of fights that we've seen reacting well to that. I don't see the fight being brought out of him in that situation. I see him going, oh, how can I make it to decision here? You know what I'm saying? And I don't think he makes it to the decision. I think as soon as Masvidal sees him fade, smells the blood, then the fancy shit is coming, then the takedowns are coming, then the beating is coming. So I think Masvidal gets him out of there, you know, probably mid-round two, end of round two, something like that. Um, at one time, Jake had things that could, hurt, that could hurt Masvidal. At this point, I don't think he does. And if he does, I don't think he uses them. I think this is an easy one for Masvidal. My two uh, most confident picks are Masvidal and Hall. And while I could have played Hall straight... I chose to uh, take a bigger risk, go for bigger money, put 3.5 units on Masted Hall, that's the parlay, plus 177. You like living life dangerously, huh? That's how I do it. Why, why split up my confident guys when I can say, hey, I'm, no, I'm, I'm confident, so I'm just going to go ahead and stick them together and try to get that bonus money. 
Well, Masvidal inside the distance is plus 121. So for anyone listening, if you think that's a sharp play, maybe take a stab. But, you know, with Masvidal's track record, he does go to decision a lot. But at the same time, with Jake Ellenberger's track record, he quits a lot, Sean. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, I also took a half a half unit Hail Mary on Masvidal inside the distance, parlayed with Hall inside the distance. That's plus 551. So had had to strike at that one, too, because I see both these guys finishing. I feel good about it. The co-main event of the evening, Joseph Benavidez is minus 200, and Henry Cejudo is plus 170. Now, there's a lot to talk about here, Sean. Obviously, one of my worst plays of all time when I picked Henry Cejudo to beat Mighty Mouse Johnson. Oh, um, I might have done that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's there to say? I was completely wrong. You know, I thought he was someone that he's not. You know, I thought that... You know, it's it's the Olympian. You know, who can stop Mighty Mouse's wrestling? The Olympian can. You know, who who's mentally strong? The Olympian. You know, I I look past the fact that you know this dude has no showed fights on the regional scene and he's failed to make weight many times. I thought, look, man, if he can win the Olympics when he's you know 21, then he can fucking get his shit together here. And I was wrong, man. He's got that bully mentality. If he can bully you in there, he's gonna do great. But if he can't, if he, if you show him some adversity, man, he's uh he's he folds, Sean, and, uh, you know, yeah. I, th- I thought the Chico Camus fight was, oh, you know, he had a bad taco. Dude, it turns out maybe he's really just not that good. Maybe that's just the bottom line. But here, here's my question, Sean, because, look, Joseph Benavidez, he's only lost to two guys, Dominic Cruz and uh, DJ. But, look, he is slowing down a bit. He is kind of, I wouldn't say the tail end, but, you know, he's definitely not, you know, He's not at Robert Whitaker's stage, you know what I'm saying, Sean? He's uh he's towards the yeah. tail end, but he's not great Maynard territory or anything like that. Is the line wide here? That's my question. Because look, I know Henry Cejudo looked like a total dumbass on the Ultimate Fighter, you know, not very likable. But who gives a fuck? When we're betting, none of that shit matters. Obviously, we like Joseph Benavidez as a fan because he's a way cooler guy. But as a betting man, is this line wide or is it accurate, Sean? You know what? This is going to sound kind of weird, but I I can't put I can't really put my finger on this fight too hard because I did not watch the season of Tough. I watched the fights, but I didn't watch the talking. I really feel like I would have a better insight on this fight if I watched these two guys shit talk each other. Joseph I completely owned him. I figured that would happen, and I think that that's bad. I think that's bad for Cejudo. I kept on hearing that, but I didn't watch it myself. I, I, if I wanted to bet this fight, I would have had to have watched all that shit, and I did not watch all that shit. So, yeah, there you go. And you know what? I look back, and I didn't take Cejudo against uh, the – I bet starts round two. Can you believe that shit? I <laughs> lost on starts round two in that fight. How good did starts round two feel for that fight? Yeah, exactly. Especially when when, when Cejudo got that inside trip, you thought, yeah, this is going to the second round. Yeah, and he, sm- he smushed him to the ground, right? I was like, ooh, this is going to be okay. And then that happened. I was like, motherfucker, oh. But, you know, I, I'm looking to fade Benavidez because he fills that, that, that thing for me where you've gotten to the top, you get beat at the top, you've got no place to go. And I took Mikoski against him. I thought that was a really close fight, but we lost that one. Um that's because Mikovsky. Mikovsky's not willing to fight. Yeah, there was a there was some friendly shit going on in that fight, wasn't there? Not not cool. Um, Benavides is definitely on the way out. He's got he's got no place else to go. He, even if he sticks around and 
oh, I can beat everybody except for the two guys, the top two guys forever. I mean, that still doesn't get you anywhere except for eventually beaten by somebody who's not one of those two guys. That's, that's inevitably how this has to end. Um, I wish I could take Cejudo here, uh, except for the shit that I previously mentioned. I wish I knew about that. I don't know about that. Just fighting-wise, uh, Benavides probably faster. The striking is definitely better because it's more varied. Cejudo's hands are not terrible. Uh, they say that he has power. I haven't really seen that power. He punches in combination. That's good. Um, but you know, seeing him fold up against DJ, that wasn't, that wasn't entirely physical. I feel like, you know what I mean? When I watched that, I was like, Ooh, you want out, huh? You know what I'm saying? That's what that felt like. That didn't feel like, uh, a perfect liver shot and you can't move. You're frozen kind of situation. It just, it didn't go well. He didn't know what to do. That was the end. Um, Dude, yeah, I, I was there. I, I was there for that fight, and I mean, like you know, the the day before the fight, he's in the hotel lobby taking pictures with fans, and you know, after the fight, he's taking pictures. Like, I don't know where this dude's head's at, and that was the biggest fight of his life. So now that he knows he can't be the world champion, like you know, does he even want this shit anymore? And he was just embarrassed uh, yeah. on the Ultimate Fighter, completely embarrassed. Like worse than uh, yeah. worse than Jeremy Stevens was embarrassed by Conor McGregor. Ouch, that's bad. If it's if it's that bad, he's probably in deep shit here. Because I mean, what he really needs to do is is stay on top for three, right? I don't see him out scrambling, Joe B. I see, uh, you know, any time that Joe B is around his neck, he's going to have to instantly respect it, and at the very minimum, that's going to allow Joe B to get up. I think standing, it's Joe B's fight to win. Well, what about this, Sean? I, can can Cejudo, yeah. can Cejudo outstrike him with volume? Because Joe B, he tends to, you know, just throw one big shot at a time. But his timing is excellent. You know, hence the, you know, why he gets so many knockouts. But in a spot like this, can Henry out volume him standing? I mean, that's a possibility. But he's going to have to show grit that we haven't seen yet. You know what I'm saying? And that Camus fight is probably the closest. Um, I, I didn't see any bite down on your mouthpiece moments in there. I thought that was close, but he was winning the whole time. You know what I'm saying? I assumed that he felt like he was winning the whole time. Uh, in this fight, in order to do that, he's going to have to walk through the fire and, and, and keep throwing. Uh, I haven't seen him do that. That doesn't coordinate with the weight issues. That doesn't coordinate with the not showing up. That doesn't coordinate with some guy shit talking you and getting in your ass on, on, you know, television for three months. Like <laughs> the whole thing doesn't, doesn't coordinate. You're going to need to see something out of Cejudo that we have not seen here. I think the, the bag of tricks is, is too deep for Joe B here and, and it's his fight to win. Although I wish I could go the other way because it's, it's Joe B is only moments away from falling off. The main event of the evening Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, he's minus 1,000. The comeback on Tim Elliott's plus 650. And man, back when Tim Elliott was in the UFC the first time, he was one of the most exciting flyweights for, for a period of time. You know, he would do cartwheel kicks and all kinds of un unorthodox shit. But then once he got towards the higher echelon, you know, he kind of got exposed a little bit. You know, his wrestling's not as good as the better guys in the division. And, you know, he's really not that athletic. And he said the right things, you know, in the lead up to this fight. He said, look... I'm not the faster guy. I'm not the more athletic guy, so i got to make this into a bar fight. It's true, but it's just not going to work out, Sean, because 
you know you know what beats aggression technique beats aggression and you know when yeah when when tim's coming in here with these cartwheel kicks and these flying knees he's gonna get taken down you know dudes on the ultimate fighter were taking his back demetrius is gonna is gonna tap him out at some point i mean it really demetrius has to really not give a fuck to to go all, all five in my opinion because with the way tim elliott fights it's gonna force demetrius to have to go in there and uh and finish him. So I took the under four and a half. You know, I thought maybe it'd be set at under two and a half, maybe three and a half, but four and a half. All right, man. Mm-hmm. Look, even if I lose this, I would take this shot ten times in a row because Demetrius, you know, I, I think he's got what it takes to get Tim Elliott out of there. So I took the under four and a half at plus one hundred and I believe it's currently minus one ten. So actually I took it at plus it's, plus one ten. And now yeah, it's minus one ten. Yeah, when we first talked about this, I was like, okay, this is the trappiest line ever. I'm just going to go ahead and fall for it. I didn't even wait. Like, I'm I'm not – I already knew what I thought about this fight, but I thought they were going to hang a 2.5 on it, and I wasn't going to be able to touch it. And then at 3.5, I was still kind of uh, – I don't know. 4.5 at plus money, you got me. So if this doesn't happen and you tricked me, uh, good fucking job. Yeah. But it seems, it seems a little uh, too easy. Um, the biggest gap in this fight is, is that Tim Elliott is just too hittable. It's too hittable. And, and when you're against a guy with one tool and he hits you with that one tool over and over again, you know, maybe you can, you can find your way through it and start understanding what's coming and deal with it like that. In this situation, nobody fucking knows what's coming. You know what I'm saying? You could be getting beaten up in a clinch. It could be a spinning back fist. You could get kicked. You could just get fundamentally jabbed and leg kicked to death. You could get taken down and ground and pounded. You could get taken down, get your back taken and choked out. There's just a zillion things uh, that Mighty Mouse can do to you. And each one of those things has worked to some extent on Tim Elliott in the past, done to him by a lesser fighter. He's severely outclassed here. Um, and I think the Mighty Mouse takes him down and, and subs him. If not, just beats the shit out of him and, and stops him that way. Uh, plus money at, at under 4.5 was too good to turn down. So one unit on that. Hopefully I'm not wishing later that it's more. But, yeah, this is clearly outclassed. And, and, and this fight doesn't have a memory, and it, it does not know that Matt Sarah knocked out George St. Pierre, okay? <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. Tim, yes, Elliott that happened, do- but... Tim Elliott doesn't fight like Matt Sarah anyways. Yeah, like, that doesn't... It, yes, that did happen once, but to compare that to this doesn't make any sense. If anything, <laughs> that was your one lightning strike, and now it never happens again. It's not like, oh, here comes the second lightning strike, and that doesn't work that way. So, uh, if that did happen, though, fucking excellent, because just make it happen under 4.5, and we'll be okay with that. You know what? Experiment fail on the on the tough show, because you had a chance to show us some new people and to show other fans people that we didn't hear about and to possibly have some guy who uh, cuts through four other guys, wins the show, and then makes this an exciting match. Instead, you got somebody, and Tim Elliott, who's already been bounced, and it basically exposed the talent that you matched him up with, and now he's back, and this is a squash match. So, yeah, you know, nice try, but didn't work. In that sense, you're 100% correct, but 
one could make the argument about Brandon Moreno going in there and beating Lewis Smolka. Sure, yeah, that's the highlight of the show, right? It's, yep, just, it's yep. this little crazy fucker getting that win. <laughs> hopefully, he keeps. Hopefully, he keeps going. You know, and one but comment. Everybody else, the African dude didn't look bad. <laughs> I forget his name. One comment about the improvements DJ's made, especially in that tie clinch, man. I mean, the way the angles that he pops those knees off in. I mean, you do. You, even if you do that traditional defense where you, you know lower both your elbows in your body. It doesn't matter because he finds the right angle to get that opening, and uh, yeah, you saw you saw Henry Cejudo, the Olympian, fold up as a result of uh, DJ's yeah. tie clinch. That's going to be a huge. He's weapon fully there, understanding man. that situation now, right? He's fully understanding that situation where waiting, hitting you with a knee, waiting to see your reaction, and understanding that next time that you think a knee is coming, I'm going to elbow you, right? And then then you're all mixed up from that point. So. You see plenty of guys understand I'm going to hit a body shot, and if I, if I tag you with it, then I'll, I'll go low and throw high, and then you'll expect body shot. That's, uh, everybody understands that. But understanding that same idea in the clinch is sort of fucking new, and, 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 it's, and DJ has that shit right now. So that's some new shit on everybody, and, and nobody's going to like that. Tim Elliott is not going to like that. Little side note, you know how everyone gives Conor McGregor shit for the people he fights, even though you know he knocked out Aldo and Eddie and Dustin and all those fighters. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, DJ's defended his belt against Chris Carriasso, and now he's defending his belt against Tim Elliott. Anyways, let, let's go to the front of the car, dude. <laughs> so we got a uh, Dong Young Kim, the maestro. He's minus one thirty-five, and the comeback on Brendan O'Reilly is plus one fifteen. I mean, dude, Brendan O'Reilly's last fight against Alan Juban. You know, the under one and a half open at like plus one thirty-five. That was a, that was a gift. And now he's making his yep. return. He's fighting in the states against the Maestro. And man, the Maestro is the better fighter. It's just, dude, he's coming off two life changers, not one life changer, two life changers. So yeah, pretty bad. I mean, is the better fighter gonna win here, or is he, you know, is he too far gone? Because that last war with uh, Polo Reyes, I mean, not only was that a serious war, but that was after the dude got slammed unconscious by Dom Steele. So it's like, can he recover? Because he's he's got he's got skill, man. He's a better fighter than Brendan O'Reilly all day. But does that matter yeah. in a situation like this? No, I don't think. You know, this is a good this is a good shot by the UFC at, at putting us uh, together a pretty fun fight. Because I think if uh, Dong Young Kim can keep his back off the cage and keep the standing, that's going to be a fun one because both these guys are sloppy and they're both going to swing at each other. And that's what we're going for here is a, is a fun fight. Um, you know, the loser of this fight is obviously going to get cut. I don't know why they didn't use Brendan in, in the Australia card and they put him a week later and not Australia. I don't know what that's about. But, Maybe they um, like uh, Dong Young Kim's last fight and they want to get him a win. That makes sense to get to get him a win, so we can get another exciting fight. Makes sense. I'm think I'm thinking that they're hoping this is an exciting fight. I think if it's not an exciting fight, it's because uh, Don Young Kim is losing because his back is against the cage, and then it's going to be super boring. Um, but more than likely, he squirts on out of there, keeps it standing, lands some punches, and and it's a fun one, and he wins a decision. Next up, middleweight division, we got Anthony Smith. He's minus 115, the comeback. Well, not the comeback, but Elvis Mutopchich is minus 105. Got a nice little pick him here. And, uh, man, th this one's going to get ugly, Sean, because, look, and Anthony Smith, I mean, you look at the guy and you're probably like, man, this guy's probably athletic. He probably knocks a lot of dudes out. But, 
I mean, when he's fresh, he's not that bad. But when he's not fresh, I mean, he straight up quits. And he's been knocked out more than once. And with Elvis Mutopcic, his biggest issue is that he's kind of too old. You know, back in his day, he beat Sam Alvey. And, you know, he's an experienced vet. But at this point in his UFC career, I mean, when you're going to draws with Kevin Casey, you know that, you know, you might be past your prime, Sean. I think Elvis is, yeah. is the better, grittier guy. But he could get out-muscled and outworked by the younger, more athletic guy. But I'll go with Elvis Mutapchich here. I'm going the other way, and I, I almost took this this bet. I think that Anthony Smith is going to win. I think um, standing up, he's got some serious firepower. He's a huge fucking dude. Technically, he's nowhere close to to uh, he's nowhere close to where we've seen Mutapchich in the past. You know what I'm saying? Like we know that that Elvis has those. Uh, has that ability, has the technical ability, throws varied strikes, throws straight punches, things like that. Like the striking is there, but like you said, he's, he's ancient and it's way gone. Uh, he was in trouble at multiple times against the absolutely exhausted Kevin Casey. Um, he's not good. This is, this is a youth speed aggression advantage and when it comes down to it when they both get tired because they're gonna and it gets sloppy you know what happens anthony smith gets takedowns and they're ugly and nothing happens when it's down there but he wins the fight that way so just on the fence of betting smith didn't because he's smith but yeah i think he wins this fight sean i didn't think that we debate a fight like this but you know when you mention if they're both gassed that smith is going to be the guy taking him down Never forget the third round of Anthony Smith versus Laleco, okay? Yeah, that's the thing. That's that's the kind of things that make you not be able to bet, right? Like, I think he's gonna win this fight, but you can't you can't fucking tell really what this guy is gonna do. You know what I'm saying? But he he's got the edges here. He's got he's got the edges, but he, he's him, so can't do it. Now, next up, we got Devin Clark. He's minus 110, and Josh Stansbury is minus 110 as well. Uh, Devin Clark, he was very hyped coming into the UFC, didn't really live up to the expectations. I mean, he did drop Alex Nicholson. Um, but, dude, I mean, he got knocked out out of nowhere, right, Sean? Yeah, that was a weird one. Uh, you know, maybe he comes I... back better here, but this is on short notice. Initially, they were bringing Josh Stansbury in to lose to Jay Collier, who is a very exciting fighter. But now, uh, you know, he had to pull out. Dude, he would have been, like, what, minus 250 in this spot? He would have been minus two-something, yeah. Definitely. But now they got Josh Stansbury. I mean, Stansbury, you know, he's big for the weight class. He's been stopped many times, including in his amateur career, by Stipe Miocic. Little little tidbit <laughs> there. But, uh, yeah, I, I got no fucking clue, and I don't even see a reason to pick this fight. But I'll, I'll pick Devin Clark because I have to. I'll pick Devin Clark too. The reason why you got to stay away from it is, is, you know, you're hyped. You come in, you're winning, you get knocked out. How do you, now you're short notice. You kind of know that you have to win this one. It's a tough position for a young guy to be in. Hopefully that was his debut and he looks better. Even when he was winning that fight, I wasn't exactly liking it. He was a little too reckless with it. Um, yeah, but the other guys are fucking punching bag. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, like you said, it's tough. It's tough to pick this one because you don't really know what you're getting out of Clark. But Clark, at his best moments, wins this fight 
I just don't know who's going to show up, so I, I can't get any money involved. And speaking of not knowing who's going to show up, we got Kaylin Curran. She's minus 135. The comeback on Jamie Moyle is plus 115. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that Kaylin Curran is a favorite in a lot of her fights because, I mean, she cannot help but give up that back, Sean. What, what do you think it is, man? I mean, it's like every single fight, you know, she starts off well in, in, in some of them. And then she finds a way to lose. It's like the chick version of Pat Barry. You know, Pat Barry would do well at first in all of his fights, but he'd find a way to lose. When we bet on fighters, we bet on guys and girls that find a way to win. And that's the exact opposite of Kaylin Curran. And it's no offense. I mean, she's fun to watch, whatever. Who cares? But, dude, straight up, she finds a way to lose. Uh, I don't really know much about Jamie Moyle except that she probably is not going to find a way to lose here, and she'll probably find a way to take the back of Curran and choke her out, so I'll go with the underdog here and obviously not bet it. Yeah. You know which girl I like? I like the girl in that movie, The Arrival. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's this, it's about uh, a linguist who you know knows every language and, and, and translates uh, ancient dead languages, etc., and Aliens Land. And she gets uh, picked up by the military to, because she still has top secret clearance from some other job that she did with, with fucking Middle Eastern shit. And they need her to go in and ask the aliens, what is your purpose here? And that's interesting enough by itself as like a sci-fi movie. But interlaced in this is this other story about what's happened to her personally in her life and these two things are interlaced and you're watching it and you're not sure that they should be interlaced and you wish that it, the movie would only deal with aliens the whole time. But if you like sci-fi shit and you like aliens, the aliens look pretty cool. Like that whole thing that the spaceships are cool. If you like that kind of shit, it's worth a watch, especially if you go see an IMAX or something big and loud. That's, that's pretty fun. I bet it's a lot funner than Sarah McMahon at minus 170 and Alexis Davis at plus 150, right? Anything is more fun than that. I don't know if you recall a fight between Sarah McMahon and Jessica I. If you don't recall, you know, I, I'm glad you don't because I want to spare you and the audience the memories of that quote-unquote fight that didn't happen because it wasn't a fight, but... uh that's the last time that Sarah McMahon got her arm raised, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? And then Alexis Davis just had a kid. We know the deal. The mom quit. Plus, she's been knocked out in 16 seconds before. I mean, Sarah McMahon by decision. Yeah. Um, I already did Doctor, uh, Doctor Strange last week, so haven't seen many things. But I do have a bet on this fight, and that's the over. And I tied that to uh, Font. That's two units at plus 103, trying to avoid the mom quit on this one. Uh, I think there's a whole lot of neutralizing, doing a whole lot of fucking nothing, which is exactly right to go over 2.5 rounds. And when they start clinching and not throwing any strikes, I know you're going to be the only one that's with a smile on your face. I'm going to have a right. smile on that's my face, too, because I want you to cash this one, my man. And uh, this will be a nice little, you know, this is the fight where, you know, you call the pizza guy over. This is the fight where, you know, you, you go pick up beer. You go pick up, you know, a nice little herbal remedies. This is the fight that, you know what I'm saying, Sean? You you try oh, yeah. you, you try to make yeah. up with your girlfriend, you know, that 
That's that's <laughs> mad at you for watching the fights. So yeah, I mean that's the I, bottom line. I but. just sit there and root for nothing the whole time. <laughs> I just I'm like be friendly, be Wait, nice. Stop striking. Listen, stop no striking. Need to go for that. Yeah, no need to go. Let go of her neck. Just let it go. There's no yeah. problems here. Just be nice. It's cool, man. Just keep going. That's what I'm doing. I'm sitting there rooting for boring. Whenever I play fights and there's overs on at work. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, what's going on? And my customer's always like, fucking nothing. I'm like, great. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean, great? I'm like, yeah, I need nothing to happen. He's like, whatever. Yep, and uh, there's going to be a whole lot of nothing. Watch it be a like a 20-second knockout. Yeah, right. You can't even joke about it's that totally with this possible. fight. It's totally possible, dude. Both both these chicks could just cash in their chips instantly. But when I, when I, I look at girls' fights waiting to see if it could could they finish – the other one I wasn't touching. This one I'm like, uh, more than likely this is going the distance. So I like it. Well, back in more exciting terms, we got the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So Sean Carey tattoo. What's the fight to watch, man? Oh, the fight to watch. The fight to watch. I'll I'll go with. Oh, that's tough. There's not a lot of good ones here. I'm gonna go with Masvidal and and. Uh, uh, Ellen Berger on this one, just because I'm a huge Masvidal fan, as 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 you know, um, I think you know the things that go underappreciated about Jorge Masvidal are gonna you know be very evident in this fight. He's super slick. He's super cool under pressure. Like I like. There's not a lot of slickster types in UFC. There's a lot of boxing slicksters. Not a not a ton in the UFC, and he's one of those. And it gets him in trouble sometimes because he's he's concerned with looking pretty and winning cleanly. Um, but in this one, I think he's going to have a, a full canvas to paint something really pretty and really impressive and, and show some real technique and switch it up and get takedowns and, and throw kicks and, and throw nice, straight, clean punches and and just all around look good. And, and finally, you know, get rid of Ellenberger. <laughs> that fight's going to remind us of two things, Sean. One, that Jorge Masvidal can put on an MMA clinic against anyone. And two, that Jake Ellenberger is completely done. And the talk of, you know, the new Jake, because you know, of that Matt Brown fight, you, you can put that to yeah. rest, man. So I agree with you. How, that, how, mean, good, how good of a, of a thing would it have been for Ellenberger to retire after Matt Brown? Very, you know what I'm saying? People good. don't see it. And, in hindsight, he's going to go, ah, oh, fuck, why would I need one more? You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the time. That that's how you do it, man. That's how you do it right there. Just like I think that I, I think that Bisbing should have cashed it in after Hendo, but oh, well. Got to hand it to the next guy. And, you know, Yoel's about to take it with open arms and much respect to Bisbing. My fight to watch is Henry Cejudo versus Joseph Benavides. Look, when we were breaking down this fight earlier, I was asking you, is the line too wide? I mean... That right there is reason to watch the fight. I'm curious, do did they set this right? And also, Henry Cejudo has been humiliated on TV for the last three months. He's looked like a dumbass, man. I mean, he's just like I I try to you know when people team up on, on someone or bully someone, I try to find the positive in that person, and I just couldn't really fucking find you know much good to say about Cejudo. And it's like coming from me, I'm a good dude, and he just he was a fucking douche, bro. Straight up, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, Benavidez embarrassed them. Now I'm curious to see what happens when they go in there and fight because, you know, you don't fight verbally in in the octagon, you know what I'm saying? So Unless you're fighting Nick Diaz, but he, he, ain't, he ain't there Saturday night. So that's my fight to watch. Who's your fighter to watch, Sean? 
fighter to watch is going to be Brandon Moreno. I think he's got a like a you know a fun fucking style, and and who knows what the ceiling is really. But when you get to somebody so fiery, like it reminds me of like a Yair Rodriguez kind of situation where if the guy keeps on getting better and still holds on to that style, he's going to be a fan favorite. Um, he's got a real winnable fight. He's got a fight that can make him look super good, and he's got a fight that he can finish. So uh, it's a great spot for him to be in. And, and if he continues and he continues to look good, uh, he's going to be fun for us, like uh, sort of like Vicente Luque. You know what I'm saying? If he keeps on doing what he's doing to people, even if he's doing it to stiffs, it's still going to be fun for us. So so bring that on. You know, do do good. He's young. I'm rooting for him. Let's go. Speaking of Yair, you know, I heard an interview with BJ, and he was like, when I make it look easy December 15th, you'll all say I'm the man. I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> when I make it no, look easy, dude. Sean. When I make it no. look easy. That's the first time I've ever max bet something because of a walkout. I didn't even think that was possible. I had a bet on the under in in his Frankie fight, and Frankie, uh, I think Frankie to win in a couple parlays, and when he walked out, I unloaded on the under. Because, I mean, I don't know. He was white as a sheet. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't even need to see him in the ring, and then when he when he got into the cage and he was doing that tippy toes bounce shit, and he what was the still fuck like is Casper that? the Ghost White. I don't understand what that was at all. But like, like seriously, when you saw his face when you walked out, when he walked out, it was like that was like the end of the fight. That was strange, and I don't re- recall many instances. I've been watching fights since I was fucking ten. I don't remember many times where I see a guy walk out and I go, oh, you're dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I felt when I saw him. That was fucking strange, man. Dude, you see the interview, the interview with Jason Perillo? He's like, I don't know what the fuck he was doing. You know what I mean? Like, like his own (laughs) coach didn't know why the dude was on tippy toes. And to this day, I still don't know either. And hopefully for his sake, he's not on tippy toes that night. Not like it really matters. I mean, do you think Yair's going to knock him out with the first flying kick he throws? I mean, I would not be surprised one bit. I think Yair is going to knock him the fuck out. I think that BJ Penn wants really, this happens to old fighter, old great fighters all the time. He wants to be BJ Penn so bad, (laughs) Good luck. but he knows, he knows that he's not BJ Penn. And he's like, he, I, I bet you he's constantly walking around thinking if other people know that he's like defrauding them right now, you know what I'm saying? Like all these pullouts and stuff like that, I don't think that there are they're entirely legit reasons every time. I just think that he's on the fence about doing this period and any little hint of being able to get out of it, he gets out of it. And I, you know, I wish he would just permanently get out of it. I hope this fight doesn't go off and he's like, Oh, it's not meant to be and walks away. Cause in reality, I think that BJ Penn wants to not have this happen and walk away. Yes, sir. And my fighter to watch is Ryan Hall. I mean, he's just some jujitsu guy, right, Sean? He's got no striking. He's scared to get hit. So let's see what happens. Yeah, he's a total when piece he, of shit. Let's let's see what happens when he goes out there and finishes Gray Maynard in the first round. I, I'm very curious to see how it goes down. And he's definitely your fighter to watch. You know, if you're not going to talk about Jorge Masvidal. Now, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure, my man. We're going to be back next week as always, and uh, let the fans uh, know what you got coming up and where to follow you. Hey, I'm at Sean Carey's Tattoo on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, 
as, as soon as I can uh, succeed in watching fights live, I will tweet while the fights are actually happening. That hasn't happened in fucking a while, but I'm, I'm still here. Um, but yeah, that's it. So good luck to everybody. Good luck to everybody who picked up on the the old Mass Vidal uh, parlay. And, uh, you know, hopefully, even though this card isn't great, hopefully the fights end up good somehow. You never know. It's funny because everyone was shitting on last week's card, and I thought, man, last week's card, I was like, dude, this card's actually going to be good, but this one, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be negative, man. I'm a positive dude. Jorge Masvidal's on the card, so it's going to be good, Sean. We're going to enjoy it. And uh, for all the fans, all the supporters, everyone, thank you guys so much for checking out Half the Battle. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up the retweets, the likes, the five-star reviews, the subscribes, everything, man. We appreciate it all. Also, next week, I got Dan Kelly, Alexander Volkanovsky, and Sean O'Connell on Half the Battle. And then Sean Carey and I will be back to break down the Derek Lewis card. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. And until the next time, let's cash these bets. (laughs) 